If you want the ultimate advantage over your fantasy football league, you need to go to StatRoute.com for the best stats analysis tool available. Compare players based on performance for up to 10 seasons, home and away splits, the opposing team, weather, and more. Sign up today with the promo code SKULLKINGFF to get discounts on their research tool and DFS lineup builder. Again, go to StatRoute.com and enter the promo code SKULLKINGFF for discounts on the only fantasy stats research tool trusted by Skull King Football. Welcome to the Skull King Fantasy Football Podcast, powered by StatRoute.com. And now, here's your host, Ryan Skullroot. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of the Skull King Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Ryan Skullroot. I am your host. And with me on the show today, I've got one of our writers, Daniel Glasser, who joined us uh, for the um, for the live show that we did during the first day of the uh, NFL draft. Daniel, why don't you go ahead and say hi? Hey, happy to be back. All right, so the NFL draft is officially over. We have gone through seven rounds three days and now the frenzy begins with the um with all of the undrafted free agent signings which should be a whole lot of fun to watch we will be monitoring those throughout the show as we go um just to kind of give a little heads up on what's going on there and what teams are are finding who so um why don't we we've got oh a couple announcements before we get going uh number one uh just a reminder that our draft guide is going to start on pre-sale May 1st. We will have that up. We're going to have two different versions of the draft guide. You'll be able to download a PDF version, a one-time download PDF version, once it goes live on July 1st. Um, and there will also be a, a, a web-based version that will be constantly updated throughout the season um, that you'll be able to, we'll be able to keep up with uh, you know, all the rankings changes, all of the... Um, all of the injury changes, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, adjustments to the um, to the draft strategy that I will be uh, posting and putting in the draft guide and adjusting as uh, things change in rankings and stuff. So, um, so there's that. That's going to go live on May first. Also on May first, I am doing a drastic change to the website. I am changing up the theme, and we're going to. Uh, Hopefully make it a little more user-friendly, uh, a little bit easier to find some stuff. And so um, we're, we're doing like a total makeover this year. As, it, you know, as you can see with the podcast, how we've been doing the Facebook Lives with the video graphics and everything. So I hope you guys are enjoying this. We're doing what we can to make this look as good as possible. So, um, so those are the main announcements that we've got. Why don't we go ahead and get started with uh, today's headlines. Today's headlines. All right. So the main headlines that we hadn't really had a chance to talk about yet. There's there's really two main things that uh, that have come out. Um, number one is uh, the Tyreek Hill. Let me actually pull it up again on my on my phone. Tyreek Hill has been officially suspended by the Chiefs as his um, with the uh, the uh, the audio that came out about uh, him and his. 
girlfriend about their son and everything that's going on with that. He, I think that this is actually the end of Tyreek Hill in the NFL, to be completely honest. He's already gotten his second chance um, after the domestic uh, abuse thing coming out of college with this same girlfriend. And now he gets, now he, you know, the, the, um, the police are reopening this investigation with uh, his son's broken arm. I think he's done. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. He had a second chance, like you said, and he was such an electric player on the field, so it's really sad to hear this news come out. And I, I agree. I think his career is over. Um, we'll get into what uh, what the Chiefs have done, you know, over these last uh, over these last last couple days to kind of uh, secure that that we think that this may be the end. Um, and then the other major story that's come out, sad for me, um, and my Seattle Seahawks, as you can see me all dressed up in my Seahawks garb with all the stuff behind me. Um, it looks like that this may be the end for um, for Doug Baldwin. Uh, reports have come out that uh, due to the accumulation of injuries and the amount of surgeries that he is needed in order to um, in order to try to get healthy, he is actually contemplating retirement, which isn't surprising. Um, you know, just one of the one of the best wide receivers that the Seahawks have had in their history, and especially you know in the last you know ten fifteen years, really is is sad to see this being the way that he goes out. Um, the the team has also put out a statement that they are not making the decision for him, that they are waiting to see what Doug Baldwin's decision is and letting him make the choice in the announcement. So, um, you know, Ed, any thoughts uh, from you, Daniel, on uh, on uh, on Doug Baldwin? Yeah, it is going to be sad seeing him. I'm, I'm going to guess that he does retire or within the next season. And they got a couple of wide receivers in the draft, getting Gary Jennings Jr. and getting DK Metcalf. So they're looking to fill that that squad up with a lot of young players. They also have David Moore, and I think that the Seahawks wide receiver core will be just fine without him. But it will be sad to see him go. All right. So again, those were the major news headlines. Now we want to dig into what happened in this draft. Um, so what we're going to do? I didn't actually go over this with. <laughs> you beforehand daniel on what uh, what we're uh how we're going to go about this so we're we kind of shoot from the hip sometimes here at skulking fantasy football podcast uh, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to go through the draft order of the first round and go team by team and just kind of mention some of the some of the players that are fantasy relevant that's really what we're going to be going over fantasy relevant players that were um, that were drafted for each team uh, in a lot of cases, there wasn't a whole lot, maybe one or two players. In some cases, you know, there was, you know, three, four, or five. Um, so we'll kind of we'll kind of go over that as we as we get going. So let's uh, let's start it off, and then at the end of the show, at the end of the show, what we'll do is we're actually going to go over um, all the undrafted free agents because more are accumulating uh, as we speak. As I keep refreshing the page on um, NFL draft rumors, so. Or, or NFL trade rumors. There's a, a lot. There's a lot of them coming out now. Of of uh, yeah. There's. I mean, it, we're just going crazy with the undrafted free agent signings right now, or or commitments. So, all right. So why don't we get started? We will start off with the number one. Uh, the number one pick 
The Arizona Cardinals. So here's what they've done that's fantasy, quote-unquote fantasy relevant. They have started off by trying to solidify their line by drafting two offensive linemen. They took Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. They traded away Josh Rosen, and with that pick that they got back for Rosen, they took Andy Isabella out of UMass, which a lot of people hadn't heard of outside of you know the the draft community. Um, we have a we have a a a, a, um, a draft profile up on him. I can't remember. I don't believe it was you that did that one. No, it was me. I believe it was. It might have been. Uh, might have been Eckhart, Jorge Eckhart, who did that one. But um, so they also did Hakeem. They also drafted Hakeem Butler. They drafted Keyshawn Johnson, different Keyshawn Johnson, spelled differently as well. <laughs> and then Mister Irrelevant, they got a tight end, Caleb Wilson, out of UCLA. I obviously they're going all in with the Cliff Kingsbury offense, and so uh, kind of give some of your thoughts on on what uh, what they've kind of done here. I I am very excited for this upcoming season. Their wide receiver room is going to be packed. But as you got to remember, they still have Christian Kirk. They still have Larry Fitzgerald. And now they're bringing in three new guys. I am very excited to see what this offense is going to look like this offseason or once the season rolls around. And Kyler Murray with the number one pick. I am still a little bit nervous about that pick. I was watching. I was looking. I forgot what I was looking at. But basically... When, with trading Josh Rosen, if Kyler Oh, you cut out. Daniel, where'd you go? still a t- nervous for that. You cut out for a second. You uh-huh. still there? Okay. No, the video cut out for a second. So go ahead and just uh, – mm. you were reading about Kyler Murray real quick. Yeah, Kyler Murray, that without Josh Rosen there as the backup, that if Kyler Murray feels like contracts aren't going his way, he can always go back to baseball. So that is something I'm a little nervous about. But overall, in a football sense, I am very, very, very excited to see what this offense looks like coming 2019, late 2019. Yeah, should be should be definitely interesting. Um, I think that all, I think that the amount of help that they've gotten in the passing game um, is going to help out uh, David Johnson as well. So it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, see how he's affected. Moving on, San Francisco 49ers. They have. Uh, they added Tevin Coleman and Jordan Matthews in terms of offense this uh, this offseason. They're getting Jimmy Garoppolo back off after his ACL. They added then in the draft, they added a, an offensive tackle and Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd as two wide receivers. They've gone very wide receiver heavy. I mean, it, I understand they already had some, some running backs. They've got uh, uh, Raheem Mostert. They've got uh, Jarek McKinnon. Uh... Oh, I'm missing one. Tevin Coleman, and then who was the other one that? Uh, uh, Matt Breida. Matt Breida. So they have they have a lot of young talent. It'll definitely be interesting to see what they can do offensively as well. I mean, do you think that with with Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin, do you see? I mean, who of of Hurd and Samuel, who do you think is more likely to have um, a fantasy relevant role? Well, that's going to be kind of a tough one for me. I'd probably have to go with – it depends on the offseason, but right now I'm going to go with Debo Samuel. They already have such a crowded backfield, which hurts hurts Jalen Hurts' other attributes a little bit. 
And with Marquise Goodwin stretching it downfield, Jalen Hurts is a incredible. He's an incredible talent. But I'm I'm gonna go with the talent, Debo Samuel, right now. But if Hurts is able to work well in the offseason and get something good going with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think he has the more he has the higher upside. All right, moving on to the Jets. Um, let's see. Basically, the only thing that they did that was fantasy relevant in their in terms of their additions they added a, a, an offensive tackle to help protect to help protect um sam darnold and help work with the offensive line for for the run game for uh for Le'Veon bell and then they added a tight end in trevon wesco wesco was uh, kind of in the he was one of those middle tier tight ends so i'm not i'm not seeing any fantasy relevance honestly from the draft picks in the new york jets uh, from this season, other than the fact that they added a tackle to hopefully bolster up the line and help and help there. So, uh, moving on to the Oakland Raiders, they added uh, their their first offensive pick was Josh Jacobs, um, that they took I believe with the number twenty four pick, and Mike Mayock is saying that he is a three down back. And let's see in their in their offense, in terms of their running backs, they added Isaiah Crowell to a very small non-guaranteed contract they have chris warren uh let's see who else did they add i can't think of who else they have in their in their backfield oh and they've got um jalen richard in their backfield but they're thinking that josh jacobs could be that three down back he very well could be you know depending on how he does this offseason going into the into the preseason he very well could be one of those guys that moves up into that uh you know round four or five uh, draft pick area in terms of fantasy fantasy production. Yeah, if I'm drafting and I see him sitting at me with even the fifth round pick, I'm going to be passing on him currently. I am not a big fan of drafting rookies overall, except for Saquon Barkley-esque talents. But I am a little nervous about this offensive line. They have lost a couple of key pieces, and I don't know if they're going to be able to have the same and even last year they their line was not very good so that's gonna be a big thing for me if they is Derek Carr gonna be able to get the ball off to let's say Antonio Brown after two and a half seconds I don't know that yet and with Josh Jacobs if there's no hole to go through then I'm not seeing him being very fantasy relevant yeah I mean they've they've added they've added one or two um they got Trent Brown they got Trent Brown um, they've also added, well, in terms of the draft, they added, uh, oh shoot, Moreau, the tight end out of, I believe it was LSU, um, to, uh, to come in and help. He's more of that blocking tight end type. Um, and with all the wide receiver additions that they have, they didn't necessarily need a, a, a Jared Cook type. Um, you know, they've got so many, they've got, I mean, bringing Tyrell Williams, he's that big bodied receiver fast that they could use instead of Jared Cook and then they also added Hunter Renfro to me this is a horrible spot for Hunter Renfro to end up um, I think that what helps Hunter Renfro um, to, to be fantasy relevant is the fact that Derek Carr does not throw the ball very far um, you know in the last few years has been one of the lowest in terms of his um, uh, yards per attempt but you know I think it I there's so much wide receiver talent out there that I think that this I, there could have been better places for Renfro to end up. Yeah, this draft for the Raiders, 
I'm not overly excited. There's some pretty interesting pieces that could ha- or that could uh, fall into place, but right now this is something I'm going to have to wait and see on. All right, moving on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers added – basically all they did was add a wide receiver um, in the draft, Scott Miller out of Bowling Green in like the sixth or seventh round. Um, I don't know. I've got to look again. I don't think they actually added any offensive line either. They may have added one with like one of the last picks, um, one of the last picks in the draft. So, uh, again, not a whole lot there. Uh, moving on to the Giants. Um, <sighs> the Giants. Let's talk about the Giants for a second. They, so they draft Daniel Jones. Okay, and we, we went over this a little bit in the first night. Uh, when we when we were doing the live show with the draft, they probably could have had Jones at seventeen. They took him yep. at six. There was s- some speculation that the Redskins were possibly interested in going with Daniel Jones and not Dwayne Haskins. They had the fifteen pick, so it very well could have been that the Giants couldn't find a trade partner to move back. It could be that where they could move back to was going to be behind where they already were at 17, and they were afraid that the Redskins or possibly the the Denver Broncos, which you know I don't think Jones was ever on their radar, possibly could end up with one of those teams. So the Giants were like, let's just take him now. We know the connection with the with the offensive coordinator, the QB coach that Daniel Jones has, same as both Manning uh, quarterbacks. This is one that it's it, he's number six overall pick, and he's going to be sitting the bench for at least one, if not two years, because knowing Dave Gettleman, he may extend Eli Manning. Yeah, I don't know why he keeps going back to Manning. It just Daniel Jones at six. That it's like I had him going to the Giants in a mock draft. I did at seventeen, and that's where I think he should have gone. You said about the Redskins coming. In possibly getting him over Dwayne Haskins, but just that was a panic pick in my eyes. And they were able to kind of get themselves back in order going later in the draft. But I I don't know. Daniel Jones, he's got to have some time to work behind Eli Manning, which I think is always good for a quarterback. But what are you doing, Gettleman? What are you doing? <laughs> All right. Um, the other thing they did is they 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 uh, they drafted a bunch of defense, and then they also drafted Darius Slayton. Now let's look at the 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 wide receivers that they have. They have Golden Tate, who's a slot guy. They have Sterling Shepard, who's a slot guy that they may try to move outside now that they don't have now that they no longer have Odell Beckham Jr. They've got Cody Latimer, who is basically a castoff from the Broncos. That, uh, you know, maybe he could play outside. And then they draft Darius Slayton, who's really a slot receiver. So they have a whole bunch of slot receivers. And then they only added one offensive lineman in terms of in terms of in the draft to help protect uh, um, Eli Manning and open up holes for Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was great last year breaking tackles. He had to be because they don't really have an offensive line. So. This draft for the Giants, defensively, I think was great to help build up their defense. Offensively, was horrific. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Saquon Barkley right now, he's going to be top three, if not the number one overall draft pick. And I just don't know. If you're a Giants fan right now, you have to be just absolutely just sad. I couldn't think of a better – I couldn't even think of a better word there. <laughs> just sad. I, you got some pretty good talent on the defense, and I did like a couple of their picks, but they just wasted some pretty good draft positions for some players that they – I mean, ah, could have had Oliver, could have had <laughs> Allen. There's just so much. Right yeah. now their best outside guy – is their tight end is Evan Ingram. It's Evan Ingram. Yep. So, all right, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's just move away from that. The Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, in terms of what they did to help out the offense, um, they drafted a tackle. They got Jawan Taylor in the second. Great pick. They drafted Josh Oliver, the tight end out of San Jose State, who not so much of a blocker and even admitted that he was not a great blocker. Uh but a very he was a very dynamic um, receiving option for San Jose State. And then they add the Temple Owl, Ryquel Armstead, who I think his best, his best uh, attribute for this is to be the T.J. Yeldon role now uh, with uh, Fournette in the background. I think that's probably the best, the best option as far as that goes. Yeah, I didn't know a lot about Armstead going into the draft. But reading up on him a bit, I think he will, like you said, hop into that T.J. Yeldon role. And we've seen in this league that having a power back and having a pass catching back is starting to become the new norm. And getting someone like that, hopefully it pans out for them. And getting someone like that in the fifth round could be a nice steal for the draft. Their wide receiver core going on to that is very young and has the possibility to be a huge boomer bust factor going into the 2019-2020 season. And I think that all lies on Nick Foles and being able to – someone I really like as a good sleeper pick for this year is someone like uh, D.D. Westbrook, who showed good signs going into the ending of that season and should probably be able to improve on that going to the next one. All right. We're going to move on to your Detroit Lions. Um <laughs> they start off with uh, at the number eight pick T.J. Hawkinson. T.J. Hawkinson is a is a very dynamic tight end. The fact that he can catch the ball, run the ball well, run the ball well after the catch, and he is a phenomenal blocker. I think that he he helps with receiving options for Matthew Stafford, and he helps with what's let's be honest has for years been a leaky offensive line. So I think he helps shore that up. I just don't necessarily know that he was worth the number eight pick. No, I don't know about that either, but he was someone that the Lions were really looking at, really liked. And I am, I'm excited to see him. He could be a very an impressive, fantasy-relevant tight end going into the season. And we need a tight end. We, got, we signed Jesse James, who I liked the signing. So I was a little bit, I don't want to say shocked, but the T.J. Hawkinson pick because he's a he's a good talent and I'm very excited to see him. But I was a little thinking we were gonna go defense there, but I'm I'm okay with this pick. I'm happy with it. All right. Uh, someone else that they added, um, they added a, a wide receiver to the group 
in uh, Travis Fulgham out of Old Dominion. Um, I'm trying to actually pull up. I think I've got it right here. His 40 was a, a 4.58, bench press 15, uh, vertical jump 36 inches, had a broad jump of 10 feet 6 inches. So pretty athletic guy, was projected to go in the third or fourth round, ended up going in the sixth round to the Detroit Lions. So adding another offensive weapon there. They added another tight end. Um, oh, what's I want to say Nauda was out of. Yeah, oh, it was so. out of Iowa. Or not Iowa. Um, oh, so actually, here, let me let me pull up our draft profiles. I've got it right here. <laughs> uh, let's see. Nauda was out of uh, Georgia. So Isaac Nauda Georgia. out of Georgia. Um, and then they added a, a, a running back, Ty Johnson, who – this guy I had not heard of. We had not done a profile on him. Um, so probably just kind of a, an extra body possibly to to fill in for uh, – to use as, like, um, special teams and that sort of thing. It would be my guess. So, um, they, yeah. so again, a little bit of value there. Hawkinson possibly could, could show a little bit of value in terms of fantasy. But other than that, I'm not seeing a whole lot. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. We had some very good opportunities in the second and third round to grab some talent, and uh, I don't have a lot of words to to say. My my disappointment for our second round pick. There were so many there are so many better options, but moving on from that, getting a more fancy relevant aspect of it, I think Hawkinson could be a solid solid tight end two going to the next season. And someone that could be a later round draft pick, someone you take in the thirteenth, fourteenth round. And he's, and I'm pretty excited to see him play. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Buffalo Bills. They drafted two tight ends. Um, did not add a wide receiver, although they've got a couple. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, we'll get to the undrafted uh, undrafted uh, free agents here in a few minutes. Draft two tight ends. They. Uh, uh, was it Tyson or Doss? Shoot, Knox out of out of <laughs> Ole Miss. Uh, where is it? Dawson Knox, yeah. Um, and then they also drafted um, Sweeney out of. Oh, what school was he out of? Anyways, two tight ends. Sweeney wasn't much. Wasn't really high on anyone's radars, especially ours. Um, we didn't even have a, a profile on him, and we had you know what twenty. Yeah, 20 different tight ends that we did profiles on. So um, they did get Devin Singletary, the uh, running back out of, I believe it was Florida Atlantic. Yep. Um, very much the uh, Shady McCoy type of role is the yeah. type of is the type of player that he is. So very interesting to see, you know, you've got the the two old the two old guys with the Buffalo Bills and Shady McCoy and Frank Gore. Singletary could find himself, especially with the. Uh, the injury history that uh, McCoy has had the last few years, Singletary could find himself into a into a decent role this year with the Buffalo Bills. Then they added Cody Ford also at guard to help again with the blocking for for the run game and for uh, uh, Allen in the pass game. Yeah, I'm, I was a big fan of the Singletary pick. I think in the upcoming years he's definitely going to take on the the starting running back mantle. And I'm just hoping I don't know his role what's going to be in this year going into this year, and I don't see much fantasy relevance for him right now. Injuries can change everything. Every day could could change that. But currently, with their wide receiver situation, I kind of hope that they were going to go wide receiver 
and second, fourth, third, that range, second to fifth round. Because right now, they have some decent wide receivers, but it feels like it's more scraps than uh, a solid piece. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I, you know, they, you think you know, they, it looked like they could have added some decent pieces, but there was also some other things that they needed to work on. If I remember right, uh, I don't actually have it. Let me pull it up here. The Bills, if I remember right, only had like five picks. Six, no, they actually had what seven, eight picks, eight picks. Um, so yeah, Tommy Sweeney out of Boston College, Dawson Knox out of Mississippi, and Devin Singletary were their only offense offensive type of guys so um they did need to build up their defense anyways which is understandable so yeah um so moving on to the denver broncos they drafted they traded down drafted noah fant the dynamic tight end out of iowa the other dynamic tight end out of iowa they drafted drew Locke to be the heir apparent again they've drafted another quarterback to be the heir apparent um this one to this time to joe flacco uh, they drafted a wide receiver that I have not seen on anyone's draft boards, a Jawan Winfrey. And then they also added uh, Dalton Reisner to help out with the offensive line to help solidify that as well. So um, Fant, I think, is going to be a solid option. I, If you think about Joe Flacco and how often he targets tight ends, especially when he was with, um, especially when he was with uh, the uh, Baltimore Ravens, I think that's a – Fant could – put up some some decent numbers and be a at least if not a regular contributor in terms of fantasy depending on the matchup could be a solid pick for dfs this year yeah i really like the riser pick as well solidifying that offensive line a bit i think he's going to be a solid player and if philip Lindsay's is able to come back healthy from his injury or if not and they're cutting him back a little bit then royce freeman i think that's going to help the running game a bit and drew luck I I don't know too much about him, but I don't know how long Flacco will play. Maybe the whole season. We've seen situations like this play out before. But as long as, as Flacco is playing, I do look at uh, Noah Fan as a solid option. And yep. I, I was hoping that they were going to go, along with the Bills as well, with another wide receiver because Cortland Sutton was a bit of a disappointment. Deshaun Hamilton was something that was a player that I actually really liked going uh, last season, going into the end of it. And hopefully he'll be able to improve on himself, but maybe they'll pick up someone in the undrafted free agent pool. All right, let's move on to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. They added two offensive linemen. Um, they added a tight end in Drew Sample. I couldn't believe it, the second round that Drew Sample out of Washington. Like, I'm a Washington fan, and I like Drew Sample. I was not expecting him to be the fourth tight end off the board and go in the second round. Um, but he's going to be more that tight end two, most likely. He is a very he's a great blocker, and has okay hands. Um, not the not the best speed, but he can be a solid tight end two option. They drafted who very well could be a guy that could fight for Andy Dalton's job in Ryan Finley, the quarterback out of North Carolina State. Um, I know that uh, Kevin Ashley, who did the uh, the draft profile for him here on the web here at Skull King. Really likes what he saw from Finley. Um, I got a chance to talk to the uh, the uh, radio voice of the uh, North Carolina State Wolfpack, Gary Hahn. Nothing but great things to say about Finley. He's a little bit older, 24 years old, has two degrees. After he graduated from Boise State, then transferred to North Carolina State to use the rest of his eligibility. And really had, you know, a great 
couple of years, and I think that Finley could very well be, you know, if if Dalton struggles, could move into that starting role. And then beyond, I mean, this one, this these next two picks kind of really amaze me that they took Travion Williams out of Texas A&M and Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma. Now, I understand that that Giovanni Bernard, I believe he's in a contract year this year, and they have Joe Mixon. And really, Rodney, I believe he was a late sixth, maybe even in the seventh round when he got picked. I think he was actually in the seventh round when he got picked. So, I mean, really, it's you take a chance in a seventh round pick from a guy that's you know been riddled with injuries three out of the last four years. Very interesting to see what could, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals pulled in a couple of weapons with the running backs there to add to Joe Mixon. Very just... It was a very interesting thing for me to see there. Yeah, I'm going back to the Ryan Finley thing. I am a big fan of when there's a QB controversy, but I think whoever is starting always has their game elevated to the next level. And that's always something that's good for not only the quarterbacks, but the running backs and the wide receivers. So that's going to be a big help for A.J. Green, big help for Joe Mixon. I don't know about Giovanni Bernard. Like you said, they brought in a lot of talent. I think Joe Mixon's role is pretty safe going into next season since he's going to be their bell cow. But if Trayvon Williams, if riddled with injuries, if he's able to come back healthy, he could make some noise. All right, so let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. Um, the only two, there was only two guys that really, you know, uh, fantasy fantasy relevant. Um, you know, they added a center to help solidify the O line and protect Aaron Rodgers. Then they got they drafted tight end Jay Sternberger, who is one of the best receiving tight ends in this draft. And then in the sixth round, they added Dexter Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame. I really like Dexter Williams. And if you consider some of the injury things that both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have dealt with with the Green Bay Packers, I'm keeping my eye on what's going on and what's going to happen in that running back room in Green Bay. Yeah, they've discussed that it's going to be a running back by committee, so I think Dexter Williams is going to have a few carries every game. And going back to the Jay Sternberger pick, now with him and Jimmy Graham still still there, and we got De- ah, Devontae Adams on the outside, Aaron Rodgers is going to have some options this season. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, a, a fun to watch to see what, the, in terms of fantasy, um, what the Green Bay Packers can do this year. All right. Yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, really what they did in order to solidify their offense and, and, and fantasy relevance, um, you've got uh, – they added the um, – they added Rosen in the trade with Arizona. They got two offensive linemen. And then with, uh, with a couple picks late, they added Chandler Cox and Miles Gaskin, a couple of running backs – um, I know, you know, being a Washington Husky fan, I know Gaskin pretty well. Uh, interesting spot for him to to end up with the Dolphins. I think he'll be more of a special teams guy, uh, possibly doing uh, kickoff returns or punt returns. Um, I don't know, and and probably more catching the ball out of the backfield. I don't know how many carries he'll actually get, but I think that he is. Uh, that's you know, again, something to watch. Um, but really, the most I think the most fantasy relevant is going to be Rosen uh, behind. Um, behind uh, uh, Fitz Magic or Fitz Tragic, however it turns out this year, uh, for the Dolphins. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what it's going to be looking like for the 2019-2020 season for the Dolphins. Right now, it's looking very iffy at all sides. I'm not sure who's going to be starting quarterback. Their wide receiver group is looking very, well, the same as last year. (laughs) And running backs, again, pretty much the same as last year. I've said this multiple times in uh, our chats before, and I'm going to say it again, or I've said it just before, tank for Tua. (laughs) Tank for Tua. Even with Josh Rosen. Oh, man, can you imagine back-to-back years uh, he getting traded because of, of drafting a, 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 a quarterback? Oy. All right, so let's let's move on. Uh, Atlanta Falcons, not, uh, honestly, not a whole lot here. They Their first two picks, that they uh, traded up in the uh, from the second into the first round, and with those two picks in the first round, took two offensive linemen, really solidified that offensive line, protect Matt Ryan, uh, to help uh, open up holes for Freeman and uh, no longer Coleman. Instead, it's uh, Ito Smith. They drafted a, uh, a another running back, Kadri uh, Olison, out of Pittsburgh. Added a wide receiver, Marcus Green. But again, he's another one of those guys that we don't have much on. I mean, we did a pretty deep analysis in terms of draft profiles of uh, of wide receivers, and he he didn't even make the list. So. Um, Again, I'm not seeing, other than the fact that they got the uh, offensive line more solidified, not a whole lot of fantasy relevance added in the draft for Atlanta. Yeah, I'm just actually pretty happy with this draft looking at it at a fantasy perspective because this is one of those drafts that helps every everyone involved. If those offensive line players are about to, are going to pay off, then that helps Matt Ryan, helps Devontae Freeman, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Austin Hooper, Everyone in that offense is, and that offense was a very, very solid offense last season. And it could be going back to the, I don't want to say the Maddie Ice MVP season, but I think it's going to have an increase. Yeah, I think they'll definitely be doing better this year. All right, so moving on to the Washington Redskins. Uh, they added two offensive linemen. Uh, the number 15 pick, they added Dwayne Haskins. In the third round, they added one of Haskins' wide receivers from Ohio State in Terry McLaurin, who's considered the number one special teams player in this draft because he of his speed. Uh, what was it? He ran like a four four three somewhere in there, somewhere in that four four range, uh, or maybe it was a four three eight. I think is what actually what it was. So McL- uh, he he's great uh, on punt coverage and kickoff coverage. Not afraid to hit someone. Uh, then they add Bryce Love. A guy coming off of a of an ACL injury to go with their running back that's coming off an ACL injury in Darius Geis, um, and then they I think they got an absolute steal with getting Kelvin Harmon with the 11th pick in the sixth round. Um, they've got some weapons for Haskins. They have a ton of wide receivers now. Um, just some of those guys have been questionable for the last couple of years, and so I think adding. Guys like McLaurin, I think, will be a, a good um, safety blanket and help to Haskins. And then I think that Harmon, though he's not the fastest guy, he has some size to him to be able to catch the ball in space and in and in uh, contested areas. Yeah, if I'm a Washington fan, I'd have to be pretty happy with this draft and pretty excited. But also a little nervous with that Bryce Love pick, with a Bryce Love pick about Darius Geis. There was so much hype around him going into last season. 
And now with this Bryce Love pick, I am a little nervous about drafting him, even if he does come back healthy, because if Bryce Love is also healthy, that man can play. Yeah, definitely interesting to see how that that dynamic will work out and kind of how those guys can come back in terms of their knees. Um, moving on to Carolina Panthers. They drafted a couple of offensive linemen. They, uh, I think one of the uh, toughest positions to be in, Will Greer, unfortunately gets drafted by Car- the Carolina Panthers and will be stuck behind Cam Newton, a, a quarterback that's really in his prime right now. And so unless something happens to Cam Newton, Will Greer ain't going to see the light of day for a while. Yeah, I wasn't very happy with that pick. And uh, looking at it through Will Greer's eyes and looking at it through Carolina Panthers' eyes because there was a lot of talk about Cam Newton's shoulder injury, and this scared me. This scared me about him. There was talk about if he wouldn't come back for, to play next season, and I think that's why they took him. I am not all parties involved lost here. Yeah, definitely not not a real big fan of that one. Um, and then uh, they drafted uh, Jordan Scarlett, the running back, and uh, a wide receiver, Terry Godwin, out of Georgia. You know, not a whole lot. If you can, I mean, not a whole lot of fantasy relevance there, honestly. If you consider the fact that they they have uh, Curtis Samuel, who's that kind of running back wide receiver hybrid, they still have. I mean, they have a oh, who is it? Uh, Cameron Artis. Well, they've yeah, they've got Cameron Cameron Artis Payne as well. Um, kind of in that in terms of running backs, um, yeah. kind of that that bulldozer type that they re-signed him. Um, you know, and of course they've got C Mac, who's their main running back. Really, I think that Scarlett's more of just a kind of a depth play. See if he can maybe do do something more than 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 uh, Cameron Artis Payne. So, and Terry Godwin, again, I think that's another depth play in terms of the wide receivers. They've got some solid wide receivers there. So, um, let's move on. Minnesota Vikings. A uh, couple of interesting picks here. Um, let's go. Let's see the. Three offensive linemen, including the top center in the draft in Bradbury out of North Carolina State. They got Irv Smith to be um, uh, their tight end. Uh, I believe that uh, um, Rudolph is in a contract here this year, so maybe they're just you know grabbing him as a possible future thing. They got uh, Madison, the running back out of Boise State, and another, I think, just depth at wide receiver in terms of uh, in terms of Dylan Mitchell out of Oregon. Really, I think Madison has a shot if if um, if Cook is having some issues with his knees uh, and and just not getting healthy again, um, or if he's dealing with injury since they lost. Uh, God, who was their backup this last year? Um, um, oh gosh, it's been one of those days. I've watched CJ so much Ham. football. <laughs> oh, Latavius Murray. Latavius, Latavius Murray. Murray. So he's because he's now with the Saints, um, and so you know Murray's not there. So I think that Madison could step into that role and be that kind of counter to Cook, um, and uh, Dylan Mitchell. I, I think again he's more of just the depth play. But them adding three offensive linemen, including the top center in the draft, really I think is showing how much they really do want to focus on the run game and make that the center of their offense. Yeah, for me, the biggest pick that they have there, fantasy relevance-wise, is Irv Smith. I've heard some talks that Kyle Rudolph is on the trading block, possibly. 
which makes me very interested to see where he might go if he is if he is ended up being traded. And Irv Smith is a very good passing tight end, and he could be a nice weapon going into the season. All right, uh, moving on, the Tennessee Titans. Their only really fantasy relevant guy was AJ Brown that they added. Definitely interesting. He is more of that. Uh, I think that he's kind of been uh, labeled as more of a of a slot guy. A uh, little bit bigger size for a slot guy, um, you know, can catch in traffic, does have some good speed. He really was the number one wide receiver this past year for Ole Miss. Um, definitely interesting dynamic to see. They added, because Tennessee added Adam Humphreys, um, they also have uh, Corey Davis on the outside. They've got Taewon Taylor, who's kind of that stretch the field speed guy as well. And then adding A.J. Brown and having Adam Humphreys, they've got a decent wide receiver core four right there that I think could possibly, you know, really help out, um, you know, Mariota if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I was just about to get to that. Mariota, his his health is definitely the biggest factor in all this, and that's why A.J. Brown is someone that I'm not going to be overly excited about drafting if I do draft, if I want to draft him whatsoever. And like you said, he's going to be sharing this, the slot role with Adam Humphreys and all the other wide receivers. He could be able to emerge as the number one or number two, I would say, more than, than that because of Corey Davis. But I think this all lies on Mariota. Mariota. If he's able to stay healthy and is able to get back to his, don't want to say prime, but his better <laughs> year, yeah, then I think that would be pretty uh, – that would be very helpful for all, all parties involved. But if he is still struggling with the pinched nerve and whatever else comes his way, then that's just going to be bad for the Titans. All right, so now let's move on. The next one, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, they, they got Deontay Johnson, the wide receiver out of Toledo, um, who honestly I've, I've scouted a little bit of him, has some decent tape. It'll be interesting to see kind of the 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 play between him and uh, and Washington. Um, I don't think that uh, that uh, Dante Moncrief is going to be much of a of a of a hindrance to either one of them. Moncrief is kind of his own animal, just basically a size guy, a uh, red zone type of target. Um, they drafted Benny Snell out of Kentucky. That was an interesting pick to me. I don't think honestly. I think that Snell won't get very uh, really a whole lot of fantasy value this year. Um, you know, if you're dealing with him, if you're dealing with with him behind Jalen Samuels and James Conner, really, I think he's he's injury insurance. And then um, I think that uh, the tight end they got uh, Gentry out of um, out of uh, Michigan. Michigan. I think he's really just kind of a kind of a depth um, help with the blocking uh, type of tight end. Yeah, Gentry was someone I was able to see live a lot when I would go to Michigan games. He has had some trouble with uh, drop passes, but he is a he is a large man, and he should be able to help in the blocking game and a little bit in the passing game in the red zone. But the Benny Snell pick, I think that mostly just decreases Jalen uh, Samuels' value. And like you said, he's more just injury insurance than anything. He's a solid running back, but... Very little fantasy relevance going into next season. Especially, well, and again, especially because of the destination. So, all right, moving on to the Seattle Seahawks. 
they at fantasy relevance. This could this could be interesting because again we're talk we've been talking about the fact that um, uh, Doug Baldwin is really likely let's put it likely to retire this year um, with uh, all the injuries and everything that he's been dealing with and the amount of surgeries just piling up. So what did the Seahawks do? They went and drafted DK Metcalf at the end of the second round. And the, honestly, the fact that DK lasted that long, as a Seahawks fan, I was not totally thrilled with the pick. I was okay with where they got him. But seeing where, um, you know, Hakeem Butler went, I believe at the beginning of the fourth round, um, you know, there were other guys I would rather would have had. I hope I really hope that DK works out. I hope that I am wrong about DK uh, in terms of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they added Gary Jennings, the slot receiver out of West Virginia, and then they traded back after they were done in the sixth round. They traded back into the seventh to get John Ursula out of Hawaii, who led all of FBS last year with I believe sixteen touchdowns. He's a little bit older um, because. Uh, I believe he's a he's a, a Mormon, so he did the 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 two year missionary trip after high school before going into college. So he's a little bit older, um, but a very very um, solid uh, slot type of guy, which I think is going to be. He reminds me a lot of Doug Baldwin and how he plays. So I think that you know them getting him in the seventh is a very interesting pick. Uh, Travis Homer out of out of. Uh, um, out of Miami, the running back, I think he's more of a, a running back depth. I think that, you know, with, uh, you know, the injuries that they've had to, um, oh, they're, basically they're two pass-catching backs. Uh, I think, that, again, he's more of a depth play that may, you know, he may end up getting cut um, at this point. So, uh, really, Metcalf, I'm not, I'm not going to call any of these wide receivers fantasy-relevant yet until we see how things work out through training camp. Um, but I think that there's some solid possibilities with a couple of these wide receivers. Yeah, right now the only wide receiver, if Baldwin retires, that I will be drafting at any point in this draft is Tyler Lockett. And I think what this does, it decreases David Moore's value a lot and just keeps everyone at a very minimal level. DK, he's a solid receiver, and I'm really excited to see him play. Just a freak of an athlete. But a lot of criticism about him was that he just has such an underdeveloped route tree. He only runs about three separate routes, and that his footwork was just very sloppy. And we saw that in the three-cone drill, how he just he ran worse than Tom Brady. That's, that's not good. And Gary Jennings is going to be a solid special teams guy. He might take the load off of uh, – Tyler Lockett on punt returns and probably just take kick returns as well. He's a good bubble screen guy. I did a draft profile on him. They are adding a lot of speedy deep ball receivers. I know Jennings isn't the fastest guy, but he's still very fast and was able to make a lot of deep ball catches last season when he was with uh, West Virginia. Yeah, the I looked at it the uh, in in terms of their top th their top three speed guys at wide receiver now. Uh, Tyler Lockett ran a four four. At his forty combine, um, what was it? Uh, DK's was what a four three three, something like that. And then Gary Jennings ran a four four three. 
So, I mean, you, we, they added a lot of speed. And really, if you think about how they run their offense, it's a lot of rushing, 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 and then deep plays on the play action. So, really, that's honestly, that's the kind of that's the kind of wide receiver that they were looking for. So, all right, uh, let's uh, go ahead and go through uh, Baltimore Ravens. Added Hollywood Jones, uh, one offensive lineman, added Hollywood Jones, uh, or sorry, Hollywood um, Brown out of Oklahoma, Miles Boykin out of um, Notre Dame. They added uh, Justice Hill out of Oklahoma as a running back, or at Oklahoma State as a running back, and then Trace McSorley to be the backup quarterback. Honestly, I'm not touching any of those wide receivers. If they had gone anywhere else, I'd be happy about drafting Hollywood Brown, you know, mid to late rounds as a possibility. I'm not touching anyone in a in an offense where Jackson is the quarterback, not because I don't like Jackson. I'm fine to have Jackson as a quarterback because of the amount of rush yards that he gets. But I'm just I'm not I don't see fantasy relevance in Baltimore from that draft. Yeah. Yeah. The wide receiver position there is looking to get a little more crowded, and he just hasn't been able to throw it downfield very well at, or at all, really. Brown is a very good receiver, and Miles Boykin is a physical freak. But like you said, I don't see much value with them. And correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't realize, didn't know if you said this or not, but did they take a running back later? It, I think they took one they might, in like the sixth round. They might have. Well, here, let me let me pull up. Let me pull up the Baltimore Baltimore Ravens. Let me see. So I remember thinking, oh wait, no, that was Trace McSorley. Yeah, so it's Trace McSorley that they took late. So, <laughs> so yeah. So all right, um, moving on. The Houston Texans, uh, really, they added to their offensive line and they drafted um, Caleb Waring, the uh, the tight end. Uh, see, Waring was out of San Diego State. Again, another you know solid uh, receiving tight end, but I don't I don't see fantasy relevance there. Most of their passing game goes through you know their monster wide receivers. So uh, they added a running back. Again, I don't like the running back that they added, Colin Gillespie. I you know haven't seen a whole lot on him. What little bit I've seen is it wasn't really all that precious. So for me, there the fantasy value was adding to the offensive line to help protect um, help protect Watson. Yeah. Wasn't a huge draft for the Texans this season, but I think that does help Deshaun Watson and Lamar Miller should see a little bit of an uptick. He gets the carries. He has just not been able to produce too much. And I think that maybe help helping out on the offensive line should be, should be a good, uh, good bump to his stats. All right. So we moved to the Philadelphia Eagles who drafted an offensive lineman and then drafted Miles Sanders. This right here, Miles Sanders to me, is trouble for Jordan Howard um, because Miles Sanders is faster, more dynamic. The thing that Miles Sanders struggles with, though, is putting the ball on the ground. Um, and then they they, they got uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who I think will be phenomenal uh, opposite uh, Alshon Jeffrey um, as, a, as a wide receiver. So I think that's a, a great – he's a great jump ball type of guy. Um, sort of in that Alshon Jeffrey type of mold, to be completely honest. So I think that you know having another big receiver out there, um, you know, with Ertz over the middle, solid pickup there. And then they, uh, you know, they added Clayton Thorson as a as a backup quarterback, which I mean that's all he's going to be. But in terms of fantasy relevance, 
interesting to see what Miles Sanders does and if he can take over the the lead role in that uh, in that running back room. And then Arcega Whiteside, honestly, I think he'll be kind of a role player this first year, but could be could be a, develop a, a bigger role, um, especially if something happens to Alshon Jeffrey or as you know as we're getting to kind of the latter part of Alshon Jeffrey's career. Yeah, I was never a big Alshon Jeffrey guy. I never really have been. And going off the wide receiver group, I have heard talks as well about Nelson Aguilar getting traded. And if he stays there, it's definitely a decrease in his value with what little value he had going into the end of the season. But J.J. Arca, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Arcega Whiteside. J.J. Arcega Whiteside. Arcega Whiteside. I think he'll be a solid receiver. And the Miles Sanders pick, I was pretty happy with that pick going to Philly. I think he's going to be a good fit there. And he's someone I would definitely not shy away from taking the late rounds. All right. Uh, moving on, Indianapolis Colts, really they focused on the defense in this draft. However, they added two offensive linemen to help protect Andrew Luck. And then they put Paris Campbell in there to uh, to add into helping out um, T.Y. Hilton. Now they did add Devin Funches. So really, the way that I'm the way that I'm looking at this, T.Y. Hilton is still going to be the guy. But you add Devin Funches, who's more the big body, kind of a red zone type target to add to um, uh, the two tight ends they've got there. And then you put Paris Campbell in the slot. He can run the um, you know he can run the short routes. He can run the deep routes, you know, with his speed. One of the fast, I think, did he, one of the fastest forties, uh, uh, um, and you know, and he can run the jet sweep as well. So I think that adding him into that mix, I would have preferred Indianapolis to get a bigger wide receiver. Uh, but you know, I mean, Campbell is—I want to say six foot, about two hundred and five pounds. So I mean, has a, a, an okay amount of size, but definitely a, a solid pickup for that offense. Yeah, I like the pick. It wasn't my, my favorite choice for him, like you were saying, but it was someone that I thought did well. Um, like you like you were talking about as well, I think they're going to be able to run a good amount of gadget plays with him, the jet sweeps and stuff like that. And I, for me, his fantasy value is not great right now just because of how loaded that offense, that offense is going to be. He's someone that is going to get 25 points one week and then a combined five points the next three weeks in my eyes so he's going to be a big boomer bus guy with a lot of busts all right um going on to the chargers really what they did in terms of the offense is they added an offensive tackle and they brought in easton stick to be the backup quarterback uh again not there's there's no fantasy relevance there for stick it's it's philip rivers they're actually looking at extending philip rivers so um we'll move on from the chargers uh, the Rams added two offensive linemen and then drafted Daryl Henderson in the third round out of Memphis. This scares me, not in terms of Daryl Henderson. It scares me for everyone who owns um, Todd Gurley. I like Daryl Henderson for this next year, to be completely honest, <laughs> looking at it just at face value. Yeah. First, my first couple of thoughts that come to mind. First off, Malcolm Brown, no value whatsoever. Gone. 
just gone. He's a solid running back, but gone. And I am not touching Todd Gurley in the draft. Nope. I am. I will let someone else deal with that. That is just that was. I don't want to say that's the nail in the coffin, but it's the nail in the coffin for me. That there is. I don't know what's going to happen with arthritis and and this kind of this told me. Yeah. All right. Um. A few more teams we got to go over. Uh. The New England Patriots drafted Nikhil Harry. That. Ugh, I hate that pick as a non-Patriots fan. Um, as a as a fantasy pick, I think that Harry could be could be a possible solid value. I think a, a late round pick. Um, adding Jared Stidham and then the uh, the adding uh, Harris to that running back room just makes me not like Bill Belichick and what he does to to the fantasy value of running backs. Yeah, Nikhil Harry, he's a solid wide receiver, and I I think I'm a little higher on him than you are. He is someone that I would not mind taking with an 11th-round pick in a 10-12-team league, and I am pretty excited to see him play in that offense. But they do like to spread the ball around a lot, wide receiver and running back-wise. So there's not much value with the in the running back position, if anything, that just decreases the value of someone like a Rex Burkhead. And a little bit of a James White, but I think Sony Michelle is still pretty safe in his role. Um, I, I, we talked about all the wide receivers that Arizona took. There was actually rumor out there that Arizona wanted to draft Nikhil Harry with the first pick in the second round, and he got taken with the last pick in the first round by the New England Patriots. So after Harry got taken, then they go with Hakeem Butler and and uh, and um, Andy Isabella, and then added Keyshawn Johnson later. So the Browns, to their fantasy value, added a kicker. So <laughs> otherwise, I mean. They've, they already have a loaded and stacked offense. Really what they needed is to, to focus on the defense, which they did. So uh, the Chicago Bears, they added two running backs. Uh, they added Riley Ridley. Uh, so they've, you know, in, in addition to the, the wide receiver core, we weren't, I wasn't huge on Riley Ridley. I wasn't, you know, just some of his tape just kind of put me off a little bit. But adding Kareth White, I think he's a you know, throwaway but they added David Montgomery from Iowa State. Um, I follow um, Brad Evans from Yahoo on on pretty much every uh, social channel I can. And I have to agree with him. When I saw this pick, I was so happy. Um, this is going to be a great pick. I think this is going to be one of those guys that I focus on in drafts. Because I think he is going to be better than I think he's going to to take over Mike Davis. Mike Davis was the third running back in Seattle, behind Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. He is going to fall behind David Montgomery, and the love affair with David Montgomery is going to be sick with everyone in fantasy because of this pick right here, because of where he ended up. Yeah, I'm very excited to see him play. He's going to be a very solid player. And that takes some pressure off of Tariq Cohen if he does pan out the way he should. Putting him back in the role that he was before, which is where I think he plays best. So this is gonna be this is gonna be a good pick for that backfield. Um the Dallas Cowboys, they added an offensive lineman. They added two running backs, uh Mike Weber out of Ohio State and Tony Pollard out of Memphis. Pollard, I think, is that was taken. I want to say in the fourth or fifth round. He's kind of that pass catching back. He's going to be the complement, I believe, to uh, to to Zeke. 
Uh, Weber, I think, is just kind of a, well, let's give him a shot and see, you know, maybe use him as a backup kind of a thing. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs, we talked about this on draft night, or was it uh, was it draft night, or maybe, no, it wasn't because this was a second or third round pick. We talked about this in the, in uh, in kind of the discussion online with just uh, just with the staff. I see Mikol Hardman being the Tyreek Hill replacement. Now he's not as talented as Tyreek, and not quite as fast as Tyreek, but he runs that he's that same um, mold of player. And this very well could be the Chiefs just saying, "Well, we're done with Tyreek Hill. Here's our guy that's going to fill that position." Yeah, I was watching the draft that night, and I look over to my dad as we were watching it together, and I just said, they just drafted Tyreek Hill. <laughs> and I I did the profile on Hardman, and he is basically that that mold. I said that he was someone that reminded me a lot of a Tavon Austin-type player, which, again, is a Tyreek Hill-esque player. And I think he's going to take over that special teams role and the deep threat ability. Um, and they, okay. They also added, uh, Darwin Thompson. We didn't get a chance to get a, uh, a, a profile on him this year. Um, I still think that it's Damian Williams job unless they find someone else. They've, they also signed Carlos Hyde. I think Carlos Hyde is kind of a, a backup bruiser basically is, is it. Um, but really this, I, you know, in terms of running backs, that solidifies Damian Williams as the lead back there. Uh, moving on to the saints. They added uh, an offensive lineman and drafted uh, a tight end and Elise Mack out of uh, Notre Dame. Not a whole lot of fantasy value there. Um, I think that Mack is more of a blocking tight end anyways. So really in terms of fantasy value, it's just solidifying the offensive line to help protect Breeze and, and open up holes for Kamara and and now for uh, Latavius Murray. So for in terms of draft value um, – or in terms of fantasy value, that's most of what I'm seeing. Yeah, overall, I think that just helps Alvin Kamara's value. Besides that, there's not much change to that offense, and I'm still going into the same mindset I was before the draft with most Saints players. All right, so now let's uh, we're get this. I mean, because I've I've been refreshing this throughout the throughout the uh, the show just to kind of see what's going on. We're going to quickly, as quickly as we can, since we're already running up on about an hour for the sh- uh, a little over an hour for the show. All right. So we are going to really quickly go through the undrafted free agent signings that we have so far. Um, if we know, I mean, most of these guys we don't have anything about, um, even in terms of like the fantasy value um, of like the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, just because there's going to be so, they're going so deep in the players that they're signing. Um I may actually pull up real quick. Uh, I'm actually going to pull up the in terms of the draft tracker the prospects on NFL.com that have not that were not drafted, um, and make sure that we get uh, make sure we get those uh, kind of look at those as well and see uh, if any names stick out. So, all right. So in terms of undrafted free agents, 49ers, uh, a tight end out of Wyoming, um, and a wide receiver out of West Georgia, knowing that we really saw. Um, Bears interesting pickups Emmanuel Hall was projected to be a fourth or fifth rounder um, the Bears have signed Emmanuel Hall uh, to an undrafted contract uh, they've added a long snapper a guard um, kicker so really uh, Emmanuel Hall is the only real fantasy relevant there he's a the guy that could make his way into that uh, into that wide receiver room uh, the Bengals after a- <laughs> the Bengals 
I wonder if they have some concerns about Joe Mixon because not only did they add Rodney Anderson and Travion Williams, they added another running back in in the undrafteds, uh, Jordan Ellis out of Virginia. Um, again, not a guy that we necessarily know a whole lot about, but just the fact that they added another one. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's more – he's coming off some injuries and they want to have some insurance. It makes me a little nervous about Joe Mixon, but I'm still going to draft him at the around the same place I would have drafted him before. I think that's just more – since it's undrafted free agents and they drafted a couple there, mostly just insurance picks. And if one of them pans out for them, good for them. I think that's basically the mindset they had for that one. All right. The Bills um, signed Tyree Jackson, the six foot seven quarterback out of Buffalo, which makes sense. You know, he gets to stay home. Um, I think he could he could be a solid backup. I don't think he was ever really starter material, but a solid backup uh, to Josh Allen there. They also uh, got a couple wide receivers, Nick Easley uh, out of Iowa and David Sills, who surprisingly went undrafted out of West Virginia. I think that that could be a solid wide receiver addition for them, um, you know, if he pans out. Yeah, Sills was someone, again, I did, a, I did his draft profile as well. He's going to be someone that they're going to look at a lot in the red zone. He has got great footwork, and he's able to get off the line pretty quickly when he's in the red zone, and I think that's going to be probably his main uh, – his main use for them all right in terms of the broncos they drafted drew luck and then they brought in brett rippon out of boise state undrafted interesting just an interesting i think he'll you know if anything he'd be the third quarterback uh, you know not necessarily on the game day roster but you know possibly a third quarterback practice squad type of guy um and really that's about it uh you know bringing in a tackle browns uh let's see Nothing, mostly defense. The Buccaneers, uh, a couple of interesting. Uh, old Demarcus Lodge, wide receiver out of Old Miss. Uh, Malik Taylor, wide receiver out of Ferris State. I'm amazed that they didn't have any more running backs that they wanted to use or draft. Yeah, that running back room was just a mess last season, and I've heard talks that. Both Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones should improve, which is very easy to do for them. Yeah, that doesn't take much. Yeah, that that could be that could be literally anything. I thought that they were going to go running back in the second or third round, but I guess not. I guess we'll see what happens. And just a quick question about the Denver Broncos signing: Do you know how tall the quarterback was? Because I know that's the number one thing going in going through John Elway's mind. Which 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 quarterback? The one they uh just signed off free agency. Uh, I want to say he was six two. Let me here. here. Let me pull up his draft profile. I've got right here. Brett Rippin is. Let's see. He is yeah six two two hundred ten pounds. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. All the quarterback, the better. All right, real quick. Uh, Patrick Riley, one of the guys in my in my work um my work draft or my work uh, fantasy football league uh yeah mentioned made the mention that i never liked jordan howard actually i did like jordan howard we uh he was one of the guys that we predicted to be a decent um uh, a decent fill-in when he uh the, his rookie year and he ended up being uh, you know our big call of the season that that really worked out um but yes i have like jordan howard uh patrick just so you know it just 
I didn't like the situation that he was in once they got uh, Tariq Cohen. So, ha. Uh, moving on. Uh, more of the undrafteds. Um, the Cardinals, uh, another running back, couple of wide receivers. Uh, the Chargers, offensive line help. The Chiefs, Cody Thompson, the wide receiver out of um, out of Toledo. Uh, Roger Sierra Tulsa. Interesting. They pulled in James Williams, the running back out of Washington State. He's the guy that could make some noise um, there with the with the Chiefs. The Colts didn't really do much. Cowboys, uh, not really much. Honestly, there hasn't been a whole lot in terms of the wide receivers uh, or in terms of the, the undrafteds, I think, could really make a whole lot of noise. Dolphins brought in, I think, half of the undrafted um, free agents. They're, I think they have a list of like almost 20 guys <laughs> that they've uh, signed. Eagles, sorry, I'm just trying to get through this. I know that we've already been on for like an hour and 10 minutes. Just trying to see if there's anyone that's actually worth talking about. Um, the Giants brought in a couple more, you know, running backs, wide receivers, you know, guys that weren't on any of our lists. Um, yeah, really, there's really not a whole lot of big. Let's see, let's see. Your Detroit Lions, uh, another Old Dominion wide receiver. A um, couple other wide receivers. The Packers, not a whole, a couple of quarterbacks. And, you know, the Panthers brought in Elijah Holyfield, so that one's interesting. We'll go in undrafted after his awful combine performance and projected to you know, looked at possibly want to be one of the top five running backs in the draft, and then after just a a terrible combine performance, ends up going undrafted. Signs with the Panthers on undrafted uh, contract. Yeah. The tr the combine has just I think a little too much leeway, a little too much pull with some of these players. Holyfield was a good player on the field. He definitely didn't deserve to be undrafted. I think it kind of showed a little bit. For me, the combine shows a little bit of your flaws. But we've seen before that some of these combine heroes don't pan out as well as the guys that show it on the tape. Yeah, don't talk. You just we're gonna stop with that because you know the big combine hero went to Seattle, so we're just gonna stop right there. Um, uh, the Patriots, a big one, big one for me that the Patriots brought in uh, Jacoby Myers, the wide receiver out of North Carolina State, uh, set the record for uh, receptions in a season. North Carolina State this year, beating Tory Holt's old record. Um, you know he broke records from uh, Tory Holt and Jericho Cotri. Uh, Kelvin Harmon was the only became the only wide receiver there, uh, or the only other than those two guys to have back to back thousand yard seasons. So really, just I think that Jacoby Myers is going to be a solid pickup. He's another one of those slot type guys that fits really well into what the Patriots do. Yeah, I don't have too much to say about that, but just Belichick adding, just yeah. reloading and reloading and reloading, basically. Um, Ravens didn't add much Rams, uh, didn't really add much there either. The saints, big one for the saints. I think this is a guy that could give, um, Murray, Latavius Murray, a little bit of a run for his money. Divine Ozigbo, the running back out of Nebraska. There are some fears that he could have just been a one hit wonder, which is very possible. However, um, he has a lot of – he had a really good – a lot of good tape from what I could see. 
plays very much the uh, the Marshawn Lynch type of runner. Just keeps the legs churning, drops his shoulder, doesn't go out of bounds, wants to run the ball right up the middle and run over people. And uh, let's see, I mean, in terms of his size, he's he's a very much a, a bowling ball. Is I think is the best way to put him. Um, pulling up his draft profile right here. 5'11", 222 pounds. I mean, the guy is massive. Uh, 115 attempts and over and almost 1,100 yards and 12 TDs last year at Nebraska. So he's a guy that I think, you know, could possibly make some noise in camp and in the preseason. Yeah, if he stays on throughout all the preseason and makes it to the regular season, the only thing that does for me is any value that Davis Murray had is down the drain as well. Um. Okay, last few teams. The Seahawks, after adding three wide receivers in the draft, also brought in Jazz Ferguson, a 6'5", 210-pound wide receiver out of Northwestern State. Um, did you do his profile too? I did. Yep, I did his profile. <laughs> um, they added a couple more uh, offensive, uh, you know, offensive linemen. Um, the Steelers, not a whole lot there. Texans, uh, a couple running backs. One of their one of the places that they that everyone thought they needed to add was at running back they brought in Demaria Crockett uh out of Missouri and Karan Higdon out of Michigan those are guys that I'm definitely going to be watching just you know you've got uh you know you've got Deontay Foreman and um and uh Lamar Miller there just a lot of questions in terms of the running back room and especially in the depth of the running back room after losing Alfred Blue so uh Watching Crockett and Higdon, those will be interesting uh, guys to watch. And the last two teams, um, the Titans added Alex Barnes, which is someone to watch. Anthony Ratliff-Williams, the wide receiver out of UNC. Uh, a lot of circus catches out of him. And then in terms of the Vikings, the only one that I think is really noteworthy is the fact that Jake Browning, the quarterback out of Washington, signed on there and could possibly fight to be the backup quarterback uh in uh, in minnesota so that's all i've got anything from you yeah going back to the texans for a second this may be a little biased because i watched Karan higdon and i was a michigan fan for a couple of years i think that he could make some noise going into the season but he was a very tough runner i think he was i believe he was second in fbs with uh yards after contact and he could be someone that could break a couple of nice runs going into the season all right, so that is it. That is all we have for our, our NFL Draft Review show. We will be back next week, um, and we will start kind of start digging into what um, what the fantasy value is going to start looking like for some of these guys as we, uh, as we uh, hear some more about what's going on, possible injury stuff, guys coming off of surgeries. So um, look forward to uh, talking to you guys again next week. Um, Daniel, you anything last? any last words? Um, have a good week. All right. Uh, again, for Daniel, my name is Ryan Scold. We are the Skull King Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We will talk to you later. Hey, Skull King Nation. Thank you for listening to the Skull King Football Podcast. Did you like this episode? If so, be sure to go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube to subscribe. Also, please leave us a rating and reviews to let us know how we can better help you rule your leagues.